you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. And uh, as, you're, as you're turning there, let me say that we're delighted to, to have you here today. If you, if you do not have a, a church home, we cordially invite you to Fellowship Presbyterian Church. We, we enjoy a good, good fellowship together in the Lord. And uh, we pray that the Lord will lead you and be with you uh, as you are visiting with us. We uh, delight in those who desire a church home. The Word of God in Matthew chapter 26, we come there to the time of the celebration of the supper. And here we read uh, in God's Word in chapter 26 and verse 17. Here then the word of the Lord. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it, is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? And He said to him, You have said so. Now as they were eating... Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine, until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And may God then add add His blessing to the reading of His holy and precious Word of God. We come to celebrate the table today. uh, The Lord's table. uh, The table in which um, the Lord has a way of drawing us back and reminding us of the very foundation of our faith and what saves us. The very grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for the table that brings you back into focus every time you come to the table? The Lord just has a way of saying, welcome home. <laughs> come, come, come and see what I've done for you. And reminds us that we're forgetful people, aren't you? You ever forget anything? Don't say it, Bob. Don't, we, ne- we never forget anything. If, if we, if we forget if we forget stuff, uh, it's good to be reminded, isn't it? And one of the general elements of the table is that reminder of the very foundation of our faith 
in the person of Christ and His work upon Calvary. Bringing us back, always. But also, um, the Lord's table is a reminder of the unity of Scripture. Did you know that? Uh, that uh, that uh, when we come to the Lord's table, you come to a rich tradition in history of God's work throughout that time. And it's quite amazing um, as I was looking at preparing for the Lord's table, guess where the Lord took me back? He took me back to Passover and the redemption of the children of Israel from Egypt. And I just began to look at that afresh and anew. And um, how what was pictured in the deliverance uh, in the Old Testament of uh, the Israelite children from Egypt was a picture of the redemption that we have in Christ ultimately. You see... Uh, the people asked, why did you choose Israel? And you remember the answer that was given in Scripture? I did not choose you because you were more than any of the peoples of the world, or because you were more powerful, but I chose you because you were the least, and I chose you because I set my love upon you. Did you realize that um, uh, the Israelites were chosen by God, not because of anything in them, but were chosen to represent God choosing a people out of the world for Himself by His grace and by His mercy and by His deliverance. And it's quite interesting, when I was looking at that Exodus 12 passage, you have it there in the little Scripture reading. Do you see how it comes down to it as they sacrifice the lamb without blemish? And they don't boil it, they don't, and they, they roast it. And it was beautiful that it's roasted and then they are to eat. And that's, in some sense, spiritually what we're doing here today, aren't we? We come in and we're feasting upon Christ and what He has done for us. And so they were to take this roasted lamb that was the, without blemish, was the best, and they were to roast it. And then they would, and if there were any left over, you remember what they did? If there was any left over, they had to take it and burn it so it would be all consumed. And um, it's quite interesting as they do that. And this is the instructions given to the children who were in bondage in Egypt. And I love it. It reminded me of something. In this manner, in this manner, you shall eat it. With your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet and staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. (laughs) Don't you love that? They're doing this Passover in Egypt and they've been slaves all these years. And the Lord God says the first time, He said, now when this lamb is slain and you put the blood on the doorpost, He said, put your belt on, put your robe on, get your bag, get your staff, be ready. (laughs) Matter of fact, put on all those things while you're eating. (laughs) Because that's how quick the Lord's going to deliver you. (laughs) That's beautiful. I just Put your coat on, get your staff, because the Lord is going to deliver you. Uh, well, you know, we're eating and the Lord's asked us to do this. Listen, we're leaving in a few minutes. <laughs> and that's exactly, that's exactly what happened. And as we come to the table today, isn't it a reminder to, to place not on our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work, but uh, my dear friends, to put on your coat, to pick up your staff as a pilgrim in this world, because make haste, the Lord comes. Are you ready? The table is a reminder to be ready. And the Lord calls us that He will deliver His children. He will deliver His children as He has promised. And He will bring judgment upon Egypt. Did He, did he not? 
do it in the past. And I look at the example of Passover, and I see God's powerful, powerful deliverance of His children from Egypt. And I think about even how much more powerful is His deliverance of His children in the church through the blood of Christ. How powerful that is to see that continuity of Scripture. Do you see it? Isn't it beautiful between Passover and between the Lord's uh, Supper, the Lord's Table? It's, it's connected and it has to do with redemption and deliverance in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you begin to see that, um, the Lord Jesus now has come to Jerusalem. In a day He will be crucified. He has uh, come and He has, uh, in this passage, uh, preparing for Passover, but also pass- preparing for uh, the cross. And uh, there are three parts to this thing. There's the introduction where Jesus uh, appeals to His disciples to prepare for the table. Uh, there is the time at the table in which Judas is addressed in terms of his betrayal. And then finally, there is the institution of the Lord's table right there at Passover. They're celebrating Passover according to the word, at the table. And Jesus takes that opportunity to use it to show forth that this deliverance that was expressed of the children of Israel in in Egypt, now that deliverance is going to be expressed through Him in deliverance of His children for once and for all uh, in the cross. And you have this beautiful expression uh, there of the Lord at the table where He takes Passover and He connects it with His death and resurrection and ascension in the life of His church. And so we come today and we celebrate this table that has a rich history. It has a wonderful biblical continuity in Scripture. Also, it has great reminder for us to be ready when the Lord comes, to be prepared each day and be girded about with expectation when the Lord does come. And uh, may the Lord be with us in that regard. We begin, it's quite interesting how the Lord uh, instructs His disciples, number one, about the table. Uh, he says uh, to His disciples, are you going to prepare for Passover? He said, yes. He said, uh, there is a certain man. <laughs> and you know, we, It's not even named. There's a certain man uh, in Jerusalem and you need to go to him and tell him that the Master has need and uh, we're going to celebrate Passover at His house. And I love the way Scripture puts it now on the first day of unleavened bread. The disciples came to Jesus saying, where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, and, and I love it, it's just a little, my time, go and say to that man, my time is at hand. Man, the Lord says many times, my time has yet not come. My time has not yet come. And now the Lord says, go and tell this man in the city that my time is at hand. Um, it's quite a powerful thing. The teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the, I love the response. And pray that all God's children would be responsive to His Word. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them. And they prepared the Passover. Uh, sometimes the question may be asked, why was not this person named in Scripture? And I, I think that there may have been a reason, I will speculate, um, that um, there was already a betrayer among the disciples and the apostles. I think Jesus, um, uh, in this uh, situation, 
realizes all that is going on. And I think that he doesn't name this person because somehow it's already been established. Spiritually, however you want to say it, uh, he tells the disciples just go into the town and say to that man, uh, the Lord says, my time is at hand. Uh, I, I'm going to celebrate Passover at your house. No names. It just seems like it was, it was done. And um, what, it, what it shows to me is I think the Lord guarding and being aware of all that was taking place that Judas was looking for an opportunity to betray him. And so that may have been why this text was guarded in this way or the circumstances were guarded in the way that were, we were because the agreement between Judas and the Sanhedrin as you have opportunity, whenever you have ample opportunity to, to show him to us uh, and deliver him over to us, uh, you do it. And I think Jesus was aware of that. And if you look at this whole passage, uh, isn't it amazing that none of this takes Jesus by surprise? Have you noticed in, just in this passage of preparing for Passover and, and moving through this whole thing that nothing is a surprise to the Lord? He knows about the preparation of the Passover and where He's going to eat it. He knows the man. He knows His disciples. He knows the circumstances. And He's moving deliberately and sovereignly toward the purposes and the designs that God had given Him in terms of the redemption of His people in this world. He's moving toward the cross deliberately, knowingly. Jesus didn't wring His hands and say, oh, I just don't know what I'm going to do in this situation. You know, it's, it's a bad situation. You know, here I've got one of my disciples and he's after me and uh, isn't that a shame? And, and you know, man, look among all these Romans. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. And you know, the Sanhedrin hates me. I, I just got to wring my hands. I, I just don't know what I'm going to do. do. Do you read that in Scripture? you read that kind of attitude or sense in Scripture? No. No, you don't. As a matter of fact, you almost have this sense of steadiness, uh, fixedness of the Lord Jesus Christ in terms of all circumstances around Him, leading sovereignly in all those circumstances from the place where He's going to eat the Passover meal to who's going to betray Him, right down to institution, instituting the Lord's Supper for us and even to His betrayal. It's quite amazing. Uh, quite sovereign in control. Our Lord uh, in all things. And let me ask you this question. If our Lord um, was sovereign in all those things, is He not sovereign in your life? As you come to this table this morning, to His table, does He not know your heart? Does He not know what you're all about? Does He not know what your next step's going to be? Does He not know? My dear friends, that calls us again as we come to the table to submit ourselves afresh and anew that all things are laid open and bare before Him with whom we have to do. When we come to that table, isn't that another aspect of it? All things are laid open before Him with whom we have to do. He shows us completely what He has done for us. Does He not know you and what you do in the life of His kingdom? May the Lord be with you. And as He knew His disciples, may He know you. And may He walk with you daily in the light of His grace toward us. It's a remarkable thing to look in this situation as they prepare for the Passover. And as they come then to Passover and they're at uh, table dining together, uh, th- there is a conversation that the Lord has and with His disciples. 
in terms of the table in their conversation. He speaks to them and says, surely one of you are going to betray me. Now, to a true disciple, that probably would have broken your heart, wouldn't it, to hear your Savior say that. You're having dinner with him, and all the friends are, are there, and he says as he finishes up the meal, you know, there's one of you that's going to betray me. Um, again, the knowledge of the Lord. Was the Lord taken by surprise by Judas? No. No. As, as a matter of fact, even the disciples express their alarm. Matter of fact, it says they were sorrowful. They were sorrowful that the Lord had even said this, that one of them was going to betray him. And each one of them, they must have not have been aware of Judas's treachery because each one of them around the table said, What? Lord, is it I? Lord, Lord, surely, surely I, I would never, I, I won't betray you. I, is it, is it I? That I've, I have, I, Lord, have I done something to, to let on or to betray you? Is it I? And uh, they go around the table and uh, they seek the Lord's face on the matter. And then he gives an end clue. He says, well, the one that dips uh, in the cup with me, it, it is, it's he. And, and then finally, it's quite interesting as it comes down to Judas. Uh, Judas dips with him and he partakes. And Judas says, uh, Lord, is it I? Uh, if, if you think about that little statement, how deceptive it is. You think about it for just a minute. One, one of those called to be with the Lord, to be his his disciples. He comes and he says to the Lord who he dips in the same cup with. And he says, is it I? And Jesus said, you have said so. Jesus knew Judas's heart, didn't he? And listen, the Lord knows your heart this morning. He knows your heart. We betray him in our heart and our attitude. Listen, he knows it altogether. If you dip with him, it, it, this struck me about this situation is that there was no others that could have gotten as close as Judas Iscariot could have gotten with the Lord. He was called to be a disciple and he walked with the Lord in, in all of his ministry while he was there and called. And think about how close he was to the Lord in some sense externally yet lost. My dear friends, that should be an exhortation to all of us, to preachers, to elders, to deacons, teachers, members of the church. No matter how close we say we are with the Lord, that we ought to be careful. Why? Because this one who is as close to the Lord as you probably could get externally, was lost and did not know Christ as the Son of God and His Savior. How many of us go through the motions of religion? We go through all the pretense of piety that we know the Lord, that somehow that's acceptable with God. And the Lord says what? You remember those who came before the Lord? And that day some will say, Lord, Lord, did we not do this in your name? And did we not serve you? And did we not do this? And the Lord says, I never knew you. 
in so much, and hear the word, in so much as you did not do it unto the least of these of mine, you did not do it unto me. And then he says to the faithful, Come and enjoy the fellowship prepared for you from all eternity. Lord, when did we see you hungry? Lord, when did we see you in need of clothes? Lord, when did we see uh, you in prison and come visit you? When did, when did we see you that way? And I, the, the Lord speaks so clearly about the way you live each day and how you live for the Lord. In so much as you did it unto the least of these of mine, you did it unto me. Be careful of your life as you come to this table whom you serve and in the manner that you serve Him. Because when you come to this table, you declare that you serve Him, even the least of those who are His. Amen? That's what you declare when you come and proclaim that you're His servant. And so may the Lord be with us uh, to take that warning. We can be ever so close, but ever so far away. Amen? We're not careful. It's a serious business that we're engaged here. And Judas expresses that. And then finally, our Lord opens the table. And I just want to express these few things. And maybe sometime we can preach on each one of them. But there are various truths that are expressed as you come to the table. One of the central things expressed in the Lord's table is the vicarious atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. What we mean by that is that the Lord was our substitute. Uh, He was the lamb. Remember the little lamb without blemish that was slain? It was a picture of the lamb. Behold, John the Baptist says, Behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so Jesus becomes that sacrifice. And when we come to the table, the whole doctrine of the vicarious atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ is expressed. And it's not that vicarious atonement expressed in all of Scripture. A testimony to the validity and the verity of God's Word as true to us. We should regard that Word above all words and we should regard it in our hearts as we walk with the Lord daily. So that the vicarious atonement is expressed there. Also, the covenant, the covenant is, uh, is uh, agreed upon. It is uh, that expression of Passover and the covenant that is there. And Jesus comes and says, This is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for the forgiveness of the sins of many. And I was uh, looking at a passage of Scripture about that expression from Jeremiah. And Jeremiah writes, looking ahead, in terms of the context that they're in, looking to Christ. And I love the, the, what, uh, what the Scriptures say in Jeremiah 31, beginning with verse 31. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach again each man his neighbor, and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. 
from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Can you imagine that's in Jeremiah 31? (laughs) That uh, Jeremiah writes and he talks about the new life in the Lord Jesus Christ in the life of the church. Think about coming to his table and the fulfillment of those words of Jeremiah in the life of his people. Has not the Lord made us free indeed? Also made us his servants indeed as well. Quite a remarkable passage of Scripture as we talk about the covenant being fulfilled in the redemption and the actual life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, to his church. And aren't you glad that that was, in some sense, a newness of the covenant to those who are Gentiles, that God, uh, God didn't leave us out, that he included us who did not know him in times past, that he made us a part of his kingdom and his church. What a glorious, glorious truth. The other thing that you express here at the table is the forgiveness of sins. The blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of sins. You see, it's a, it's an expression as you come to this table, a, a picture of that which Christ has done for us, but also it's a surety to us that the blood of Christ has been shed. Um, it is shed for the forgiveness of the sins of many. Jesus reiterates at his table that his blood was shed and there was a price paid for sin once for all. And I remember uh, Dewey Murphy once reminded me of something a pastor uh, used to be at Lakeshore Presbyterian Church. He, and I was concerned about that. And I said, Dewey, you know, I'm just really concerned about my walk and my assurance. He said, Lonnie... He said, you're trusting Christ as your Savior, aren't you? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, he said, don't you know if Christ shed his blood once, when you get to heaven, the Lord's not going to ask you to shed your blood again for the blood that's already been shed by Christ himself for you. And I thought, I've thought about that through the years, and it's laid on my heart. Listen, my beloved friends, as you come to this table, it's a table of assurance to you that Christ did what he did by the plan of God that his redemption is sure, and that in Christ your sins have been once and paid for for all time. My dear friends, what a, what a great assurance and joy that is to know that sins, past, present, future, are covered by the blood of Christ. What marvelous lessons we have at the Lord's table. By the way, I have about six more, but I can't preach them now. <laughs> but how about those? Wasn't, wasn't that good? Wasn't that rich uh, as you look at the Word of God and what the meaning of this table is? It's not just a memorial. It's not just a table that we set to remind us. It is that, but it's so much more than that. This is the table that the Lord Himself established in these verses. And it is the table that He calls to you as His child whom He has redeemed. And He has promised that as you partake faithfully at this table, and remember His sacrifice for you, guess what? He's promised to be with you right here, right now. And He's promised to go with you as you leave this place. Isn't that a beautiful promise? I love that, don't you? It's not just going through the motions. Therefore, what's at work here is the reality of the salvation of Christ in His people, in you. Christ in you. The hope of the world. Christ in you. My dear friends, don't underestimate what Christ can do in and through you.
May the Lord be with you. And wherever you go, I pray that the Lord will go with you and that his grace will sustain you and be with you and use you in his kingdom. And that finally, as you've had your robe on and you've got your staff ready, that you're ready to go. (laughs) Are you ready? Are you ready? Now, when you eat this Passover, he says, and the blood's on the doorpost of the house, he said, get ready, put your coat on, get your staff, get your bag. (laughs) That's how quick redemption was. (laughs) Because sure as the world, if the Lord does it, it's going to be done. But sure as the world, the Lord, the world says it's going to do it, and sure as the world, you might as well put a little hold on that. But there is no hesitation with the Lord in terms of His redemption and His salvation. May the Lord be with you and may He prepare us as we come to the table this morning. Remember all those things. I know there's a lot, but may the Lord be with you as you know Him at this table. Lord, be with us. Direct us. Guide us. Prepare us for this table. Lord, help us not to just go through the motions, but to know Your presence here and and Your goodness toward us. Lord, who love You, we uh, thank You for... Lord, that what you have done for us. May it be real and personal. May our faith be genuine and true of the Lord. And Lord, help us not to be as the one who betrayed our Lord, whose heart uh, was far away from God, even though they were right by his side. They never knew him. Lord, may it not be said of us. Lord, draw us close to yourself this day. Remind us of all those good things and work in us your good work. In Jesus' name we pray.